On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Friday's Throw-In, our special weekly show with Dublin legend Philly McMahon discussing the big talking points in the Championship. I'm Sinead Kassan and we're also joined by the Irish Independent's Conor McKeown. Now in this week's episode we look at Dublin as they start their Championship with their credentials being questioned. Philly tells us some home truths and his important advice for the Wexford players. Philly, first of all, are we fooling ourselves into thinking that this is an open Leinster Championship? I hope not. I mean, if it's starting to go by in terms of the league and how good it's been... Um, and how many teams are in contention of competing for for the latter stages of the championship? I hope not, but who knows? I think there's still there's still a bit of a an imbalance. Just just I mean I mean like the, the key thing for me here is um, I was chatting to a guy um, a club backroom t- uh, team member from Ballymun Kickhams, and he was. He was on to me about we pull up a post around the social media asking questions, what you want to the topics. Mm. So for everybody that's listening in, thanks for the questions on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but he said, what do you do if you're a manager? How, how, do, how do you actually uh, get a team that's a, a big underdog to compete with the, with the favourites? Like, you know, and he, I said, are you asking me or asking how I did it? Because it, like, I mean, from 2008 to... 2010 where we start to compete for all Orleans, we weren't at that stage so there was very few years where I had to kind of deal with that but for me um, if I was in the change room of Wexford it started it, it should have this whole kind of level of self-talk and frequency of energy should have started pre-season hmm. you know at the start of the, the, the season this is what our target points are throughout the year we want to develop a, a structure and a tactics around you know, that we need going into the championship against the, possibly the Dubs because they're the biggest biggest team in Leinster we're going we're gonna to come up against. So if we've got a structure and a game plan and that we implement and we practice and we take the flaws and, and build on it in the league so that we're confident then going into to play them in the championship. I think there's a huge part, there's a huge bulk work of that. But then it's getting them to think at a higher frequency. Like, like when you were a kid, if you were sitting uh, in a classroom and you were daydreaming, the teacher would snap you over. They'd say, <laughs> he or she would say, stop, stop daydreaming, Philly. Woke, wake up, get focused. So we stop fantasizing, right? So if you're going out to compete against a team that's fantasizing about winning an All-Ireland and you're fantasizing about just kind of staying in the championship or just trying to keep it tight and possibly get over the line, you're not going to win. You're going to struggle. And I think, in fairness to Wexford last year, 
they were better than I expected. But they, their their whole, if you were to basically look at their performance and then look at the mindset of the group, you could see what way they were performing based off their mindset. So will Wexford be thinking at a fr- higher frequency, do you reckon, on Saturday? Well, they'll definitely be thinking at a higher frequency based on what they did last year against mm. Dublin. You know, like remember, Dublin's Leinster quarterfinal games over the past 10 years have been very forgetful experiences for most people because they're just steamroll teams mm. because that's the way Jim Gavin approached games. A championship match was worth, I'm sure Philly will tell you, that the preparation for any team in Leinster was identical to what it was in the All-Ireland semi-final in terms of what you did, analysis of opposition. So that's the reason that they did it. Um, but last year, it was definitely different because I think the questions over Stephen Cluxon at that stage hadn't been fully answered. Um, and it was the first day out really for Dublin, um, kind of the new Dublin team. You always sort of got the suspicion with Dublin in 2020 when they won the All-Ireland in the lockdown that it was nearly off the fumes of the previous year. Whereas that was the first, you know, the new Dublin team, Desi Farrell's Dublin team. And they kind of raised a few eyebrows how much they struggled for periods of that game. They never really got going. Now, it's very easy to draw a line between that and losing the All-Ireland semi-final. Um, but that's kind of what happened, you know. So whether it's symptomatic of anything further down the tracks, I don't know. But the question of how you build a, a weaker team up to compete at a higher level. That's a really interesting question. I remember interviewing uh, Neil Ewing, who played for Sligo for 14 years. He only retired last year. And he was saying, like, the days of a Paddy O'Shea coming into a Westmead and, like, you know, flogging them and running them around fields and getting them up to a level and getting a joint killing, that's gone. Like, that's minimum requirement. To get on mm. an inter-county training pitch, you're already as fit as you can be. You know what I mean? You might condition yourself to get slightly bigger, a bit stronger, whatever it is, move a little bit better. But the low-hanging fruit there, you know, to... to, to as such of a smaller county to make two or three very quick step ups that's already gone that's like every team has that level of fit so what you need is you know it's nearly a question of sort of mentality and and you know and Philly said this a lot of times as well like is there a big difference tactically between any of the teams out there not really like I was at a game last week in Ockram between Leash and Kildare two teams who'd be playing Division 4 last year next year and it was a very modern game do you know what I mean like the both teams knew exactly how they were going to defend. Uh, both teams knew exactly what to do against a team with loads of players behind the ball. So tactically, like teams that are competing at Division 4 level are already at a standard. Physically, they're mostly at a standard. So wherever the big step up is to be made, it's not in those very obvious areas. So how did you motivate yourselves, Philly? I mean, obviously, when it came to the All-Ireland stage, you know, there'd be no problem. But how did you motivate yourselves to continually kind of railroad those Leinster opponents and keep that motivation there? Because everyone else thought these games were a foreconclusion and they always were. The born and answer is competition. Mm. You know, there was so much competition within the squad that, you know, the pe- the players that got the jersey early were the ones. And if they were consistent then over the the, the championship games, you kept because you wanted to play in an All-Ireland at that stage when I was playing an All-Ireland semi-final or final because that's where we were getting to. So there was a big carrot at the end of being consistent in terms of your performances. And in a nutshell, we all kind of understood that it was only five or six games. That's mm. all it took. So the hard part is, you know, being really uh, up in your performances in the first couple of championship games and then trying to hold that to semi-finals and finals because um, there's been times where I, I myself and other players that have been, in, you know, competing against for the jersey that they play it so well at the start and then they kind of maybe, I don't know, complacency or just drop a form that 
you you lose your jersey and all are in semi final or a final. That's it's the worst time to drop in your performance. Like so, that for me is key. And then the other thing is that there is a bigger. I I would sense there's a bigger risk equals reward in terms of the opposition you play. So right now, um, Wexford. You know, if you you know, there's a there's an obvious energy around if you play a Kerry, Tyrone, Mayo, and mm. you know the top five or six teams in the in the country. If you play a team that's maybe Division Two, specifically three and four, you're kind of like the the bar drops a little bit. Your 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 paranoia of the opposition drops a little bit. So that's when your attitude and what's your attitude. You know, people say in sport, your attitude is like you know, you've just underperformed, get your attitude right. Your attitude is how you think. And then that, them thoughts give you feelings and them feelings give you actions. So if your attitude, if you underperform and you question somebody's attitude, it's probably because the first thing was they were thinking wrong. So when we were playing, if I, if I was playing Wexford this this weekend, I'd be saying, well, what am I thinking for? So what's the image I'm building in my head here? And then what, what, what will that make me feel? So if it's just, oh, I just want to, you know, get the jersey and play whatever this week. Or if it's, I'm going to be the best I possibly can. And I'm going to imagine I'm playing the best player in the country, um, regardless of what information I have on them, because the information is quite limited in terms of those teams, because not in the media as much. They're not, the focus and the cameras aren't on them as much. So that's the difficulty. And the years and years of Dublin players coming out and saying, it's actually quite hard to play against teams that are, you know, are not up, at the top uh, of the pendulum, you're kind of like that was that's not bullshit. Like that's mm. what happened. Like we we were trying to compete with the noise, compete with a, a team that would bring a different attitude out in you. Um, and and there's loads of different ways of you know I suppose preparing for a team that's at the the top end and a team that potentially is a banana skin at the other end. Just flip that for a second. Imagine if you to go down and give a talk to the Wexford players. Mm. What would you say to them? Um, because Dublin are vulnerable. We don't quite know what to expect from them. It's kind of a situation we haven't found ourselves in in quite a while and relegation to Division 2 next year. As I said, it wouldn't be one thing. It's very complex. You know, you ask yourself, why does an underdog win? Uh, 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 you know, in terms of it, it, the underdog doesn't win all the time for a reason, right? Because there's loads of different things that make the, the favourites win. But why does the underdog win um, when they do win? Like, why why did Leicester win the the, the, the league a, a couple of years ago in, in the Premier League when they, at some stage, they probably at the start of the season didn't realise that they could do it. So they need to fantasise. Hmm. They really so do. So daydreaming is good. They need, to fan, they, need to, they need to basically say, well, if I've if we've got, you know, 10 to 12 to 14 years in our football career and every year we're like a cat we lose a life right like what do we want to do with our career what do we want to look back on and, and be proud of or do we want to look back and go every year we just try to potentially beat the dubs you know instead of going like you know when we look back here we we we, we had a vision we had something a bigger purpose than us as an individual there was something bigger and that's ultimately what I would be nearly brainwashing the Wexford players from the start of the year. There must be doubt though, Connor, in the Dublin team. Or is there, do you think, going down to Wexford after that league? Or is it just I new? I think, think, think there are a bunch that are pretty sort of 
like I mean, it, it becomes such a boring phrase that's used about them, you know, the humility and all the rest of it. But I think they realise themselves when things aren't going particularly well. And I think they kind of, you know, the, the group is such that they have the information to try and put it in, going in the same direction. So I do think relegation would be a bit of a blow. But and again, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, going on that team holiday abroad was probably a good thing just to like geographically get away from all of that. And when they come back, they're not really the Dublin team that were relegated. They're the Dublin team that have been geared up to start their journey this weekend. And like if we went through the Dublin starting 15 for this weekend, assuming that, you know, Conor Callan is fit as all the, all the rest of it. Like if we went one to 15, it's not a team that you put a whole lot of money on them losing a the match this yeah. year. Do you know what I mean? Like, so they still have uh, more than anyone else. And like no more than under hurling and with Limerick, we get very, very fond of league form when we start looking into championship because it's all we have to go on and it's it's natural. Um, but I, I, I think Dublin will be quite a bit better once things start. And the way that look Leinster is structured, um, where they get a boys to the quarterfinal, they draw a team that can't be one of the teams that were in the semi-finals last year, which I think is quite an unfair way to structure it. But anyway, it gives them kind of a and going away, I think, will sharpen the mind. You know, if they're playing Wexford and Crow Park this weekend, I think it'd be a different story. It's a very comfortable venue for Dublin. This puts a bit of discomfort into it. And I think that discomfort will actually be a driver for them to to hit a higher level of performance than they did this time last year. Will there be questions though, Philly? Surely there must be questions, you know, that the players will be questioning how they do things. And I'm sure like that camp away would have been good for them as well. Well, the trick is to actually get the Wexford players to be questioning the, the doubt they have in their mind. How do they do that? They get a good start. Um, but also they're patient that they don't try to think that they have to blow a Wexford away and if it doesn't happen if they if Wexford are very defensive that they stick to their their process their system and generally that they don't focus on the negative stuff if if you've got that little bit of a, a thought process around what has happened in the league negatively that will be the hangover and that might come into your game plan but if there's a real focus from as Connor said going from the little break they've had um, that reset button, then you should see Dublin coming out and saying, "Let's cause doubt. Let's 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 see um, how hard the forwards work defensively to turn them over to transition, because that's when they're most vulnerable. Let's see um, how quick we are like, in terms of restarting the game, kickouts, frees, um, how fast we can transition with the ball. But ultimately, in the mindset of things, thinking that." We have to be ourselves here today. We have to be, uh, if we want to be all in champions, well, then we have to hit them numbers as all in champions. So it's not really, without disrespecting Wexford, it's not really about Wexford. It's about Dublin beating Dublin and the, the high standards they have. Okay, well, just looking at the other counties in Leinster, Leash, for example, Connor, they were beaten 515 to 412 by Wicklow last weekend. It's Billy Sheen's first season as a manager. He's the seventh Leash manager since 2010. The county has seen such a high turnover of managers. What's going on there? Well, you tend to find when there's a high turnover of managers, it kind of reflects on the kind of, I suppose, the environment within the county. Now, I don't want to sort of presuppose anything there um, because I don't have that information. But... Um, it's not a good look, you know, from a, from a sort of general administration level to go through that number of managers because, you know, you, you can go into a county and you can get a bit of traction and, and you can move the thing on. But I think, like, you know, they had Mike Quirk there a couple of years ago in year one, he got to a Leinster final. They were very, they were very, 
like they look like a team going in the right direction mm. and then the following year they completely flatlined and you'd love to know what that was like Mike Quirk is now a selector with the Kerry Senior football team so he obviously knows what he's up to um, you know John Sugru came in there he had a couple of promotions very quickly and things unravelled very very sharply around him I think there was a situation with Eddie Brennan you know where he, you know, he was looking for more from the county board to invest in the team to bring it on from that level after they beat Dublin in 2018 and in Port Leash um, and that obviously didn't happen and that caused some friction there as well so it's not a great look and it's difficult like I was at that game and and like in fairness to the Leash management and like Billy Sheen did a really good job when he was coach of Cork mm-hmm. and he's obviously and like I saw the effect that he had on the St. Jude's team Philly would have played against him the most consistent club football team in Dublin over the past 10 years you know like habitual semi-finalists so like he completely switched on as a tactician and as management material and they were trying to do the right things the last day but there's a whole load of things and I think partly some of it will come back to you know if you if you compare Leash's record at underage level at the main age groups under 20 and minor in particular for the last 10 years and compare that to the previous 10 years it's night and day so whatever sort of alchemy that they had a play that gave them successful underage teams there for quite a while that's not there anymore and there's very little you can do without good young players you know like they were playing in a system last week when Wicklow got players behind the ball you could see them trying to split the wings they have two good very good players who kind of who who went down the wings looking for that space because Wicklow were trying to defend quite narrow at times as well so they were they were trying to do the right things but clearly it hasn't taken hold but you know on the flip side of that you had Alan Costello who was only appointed Wicklow manager in March because uh, Colin Kelly walked away um, and like that was I was I was sitting beside the guy in the press box and I still don't know his name but he's the, the Wicklow guy who sits in the press box <laughs> and I said what do you think he says ah like you know hopes wouldn't be high like here yeah. today because of how poorly they've gone in the league Sean Curry, like, is he? <laughs> <laughs> but at, at half time he was sitting there and he was absolutely Incredible. stunned and yeah, like this yeah. guy I this guy has seen more Wicklow matches and he was like that's the best performance I can ever remember Wicklow That was having. their first win over them in 36 years yeah. or something so yeah. like so so as and as a football performance mm. like it was absolutely now they probably I'm sure their game plan checked out perfectly they seem to have gotten all their matchups right Alan, Alan Costello said it afterwards the, the matchups they hoped would happen did happen so obviously a lot went right for them, but it, it shows you the flip side of where a manager can maybe come in and maybe they got a bounce from the fact that things weren't working out with the previous management Alan Costello was there he'd managed the 21s he was a selector and maybe he saw where things could be kind of turned on fairly quickly but um, I suppose it all comes down to like like the question at the top of the show what do you do with these teams well there's no real exact science like sometimes it comes together quickly other times it doesn't and sometimes it doesn't come together at all But how destabilising must that be Philly for players to have that kind of high turnover of managers you wouldn't have had to deal with it all that much at con- no, I've, no I've had four managers but in, in those 10 years that you're talking about in terms of the leash kind of rollover of seven managers mm. we've had three which is which is uh, which is definitely from a, like it's not it's not a factual thing and but it's a very interesting topic you know in terms of how does the role over managers impact the team mm. and the continuity and the, the consistency in players growing so if I had a manager coming in every three years like and I was just finding like so first year you get that energy from the manager yeah or he builds the standards up a little bit more second year you know you're you're kicking on and you're you're ready to build on the fourth year. Third year is go for it. Mm-hmm. Right, but then fourth year, you, you, you're, and I'm talking about the teams outside of, in Leinster, outside of maybe Dublin, Mead and Kildare, right? Because I've just jotted down, Mead have had four managers in 13 years. Uh, Kildare have had uh, five managers. Leeds have had seven. 
and then Dublin have had three, mm. right? But so outside of Mead, Kildare and and um, Mead, Kildare and Dublin, the other counties in in uh, in Leinster, right? They've had a rollover. So year three, right? We want to get going again. Year four, then it's like, right, this is it. We can we can build. We've had three years to get this right. Where are we at now? Like so, you know. Because you could be talking about like different SNC programs. Yeah, like in. it's it's like if you have a manager that's based around um, science, you know, he's based around um, looking at the game demands physically and then replicating that in your training. And you then in, in year four, someone else comes in and he doesn't care about any of that and he just flogs right. you and just runs you up and down a pitch. All that science, all that time, all that that foundation work that's being put in goes astray, even tactically. Tactically is the massive one, right? Because you're just finding what works for you. Like I was lucky to have a manager for seven years to be mm. able to constantly build. So if I had, let's say, Pat Gilroy at one point would have said to me, don't go past the 45 meter line. And there was one particular game against Armagh, I went past it twice <laughs> and he took me off, right? <laughs> so I was constrained as a corner back. Now, if Pat Gilroy stayed on for the next three or four years, either he would have probably dropped me a lot more or he would have, hopefully eventually went this fella can actually cause danger going forward yeah. but Jim Gavin did see that yeah. and it was like it was a, it was a slow process to like we, look we can't argue with Philly going forward because he causes hassle and he takes his man out and does his job and we ask him but they're the difficulties that you'd have as a player you know and then there's the other side of it players might want the quick change around yeah. because but that's a negative thing they're like this fella's not giving me a shot so please go so someone else that comes in might give me that that opportunity but this the, the the flow over of of managers i think has a huge impact on the consistency of development and there's no it's a no-brainer why kildare dublin and mead are you know division one and then obviously division two at and some stage well, we see it across them. the water as well like in the premier league you know man united Klopp, guardiola i mean the stability that they bring well if you want to see like mm. even say the best case the best test case now for talent production and harnessing talent at the moment is Limerick Hurling. Very clearly. Fair chance of going to win a fifth All-Ireland in six years this year. After the fallout over Justin McCarthy and the strike and all of that crack, they got together and put together the Limerick Hurling Academy. And they don't talk very much about it down there. That's because the dubs, yeah. the dubs, uh, it's blue like the wave took the over. Dubs. Yeah, the blue but wave the, took but over. But all it was is like, it, it, was a, it was a physical venue with pitches and all the Limerick development squads trained there. And they all went through the same SNC athletic development and they all went underwent the same coaching. And I think they might have had a, a performance coach there as well that to told them about their lifestyle and everything else. And OK, I'm sure that John Coyley and Paul Canark have an awful lot to do with Limerick being so successful as they are at the moment. But every single player, there might be two or three years in the difference in, the, in their age group, but they all came through the same kind of coaching. So by the mm. time they came out, like you talk about raw material, they weren't raw material, they were polished material. And they knew exactly, like look at the size of some of them, like, do you know what I mean? And like their hurling is absolutely impeccable. Yeah. They can all play to a squad. So yeah. that's the flip side of it. That's one. But look at Mickey Hart and Loud. Like yeah. Loud were a bit of a rabble until he took over. And my friend in the press box in, in Wicklow was telling me about Loud got promoted on the last day of the year from beating Wicklow. And he said, um, Towards the end of the match, I think Loud had, had a player, or Whitlow had a player sent off and Loud were well up. And he said that Mickey Hart stood up on the sideline and he shouted Darver. And Darver is the name of the centre of excellence. And it was a code word. Mm. And all the Loud players moved into formation. And from the kick out, the ball was batted down to a runner. 
the forwards started to move, they threw the ball in and they batted the ball into the mm. back of the net straight from. So that's the level of coaching that they had undergone in the past two years. That Mickey Hart was actually... conditioning as well, actually, of yeah. those long players that day. Yeah, but he was calling yeah. plays from the sideline yeah. and they were able to get a goal Mind from a kick anything, out. Yeah. Yeah. But they were consistent. That, that, like the, you're talking about the conditioning. That conditioning is easier because you know what your job is. Yeah. So everybody knows yeah. the job is. The level, as you said, of coaching is important. I'll go back to Irish soccer in terms of the international team, I would love to be in a change room and I'd love to pick their brains of what is your vision? What what do you want to achieve in your career? Some of them might say playing a championship, World Cup or Euros. Some of them might say 100 caps, right? Now, if you were to go into Germany, possibly England, possibly Spain, and say to the same players, what's your vision? What do you want to achieve in your career? What would they say? Win a World Cup. Win a World Cup, right? Win a Euros. So that level, I think, that's the space. Mm. So what I'm saying is that passes down to the younger generations of international players, doesn't it? So if you're a young lad going into the, the first team in the international squad and that's the energy and that's the noise, that's what you live up to. That's what rub off on you. But what about fantasy versus reality, though, as well? Well, eventually... It, it's it becomes a, that. If you have a fantasy and you like a fantasy is basically something you don't, you've never achieved, something you don't know how to plan to do and something that's frightening and, and actually is exciting at the same time. So that basically, you if you don't know how to do it, but you start, your, your vision is basically, I want to be an All-Ireland champion. So you start training like that because it's the top of your mind. So you start practicing like that, you start questioning things the way you're doing it. So that theory then starts to develop. Like Leicester, they start winning games they find what's working and then they go back to the fancy, oh, we could win a league here. And then they go and they start building on, on the, the theory and eventually they go between theory and fancy, which becomes a fact. And the fact then is they win the league. So what I'm saying is, the, the key message I'm saying here is it's rubbing off the lads that, that come through. through the, so young players coming into the Dublin development squads, they're thinking, sorry, Dublin development squads then onto the Dublin senior team. They're thinking, I'm coming in here to help win an All-Ireland. If you're a Wexford minor under 20s player coming in you're not thinking that way but yeah but but should they obviously of course you should because yeah. if you well it, it's hard to because as human beings we don't fancies are these things that we can't reach that we can't build a picture of because we we, we doubt it but if we're thinking that way even if you fall short of that you're probably at a higher standard than than thinking the opposite way of coming in and saying i'm just here to compete against Dublin. So moral of the story, Wexford need, needs more daydreaming for this weekend's game. Definitely. They need to fantasise <laughs> that this is this is something possible that they can do. But it's not it's not something that um is done overnight. It's not a one it's not a one motivational speech. It's this something that you have to be building over the season. Okay, well Philly and Connor, thanks for that. You can read more from Philly in his column at Saturday's Irish Independent. Monday's throwing with Will and Michael will review this weekend's action championship. Don't forget to rate, listen and follow on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back next Friday. Mm-hmm.